Chapter Twenty Nine of The Precipice by Ivan Goncharov, translated by M. Bryant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When Tatiana Markovna returned from the ferry, she sat down to work at her accounts, but soon laid them aside and dismissed the servants. She asked for Raisky, who had gone over to see Kozlov because he did not want to be left alone with his aunt. She sent across to ask Vera whether she was coming to dinner. Vera said that she would rather stay in her room and go to bed early. In the courtyard, a scene by no means unusual was being enacted. Savelli had nearly broken Marina's back with a severe beating because he had seen her slipping out at dawn from the room in which Vikentiev's servant was quartered. She hid herself in the fields and the vegetable garden, but at last she emerged, thinking that he would have forgotten. He struck her with the whip while she sought refuge in one corner after another, swearing by all that was sacred that the devil had taken on her figure and had made a fool of him. But when he exchanged the whip for the stick, she cried out loud at the first blow and fell at his feet. I am guilty! she cried, begging for mercy. She promised not to transgress again, calling God to witness of her sincerity. Thereupon Savelli threw away the stick and wiped his face with his sleeve. You may go this time, he said, since you have confessed, and since you call God to witness. Tatiana Markovna was informed of this proceeding, but she only wrinkled her forehead and made a sign to Vasilisa not to be too severe with Marina. There were visitors to dinner who had heard of Vera's indisposition and had come to inquire. Tatiana Markovna spoke of a chill, suffering all the time from her insincerity, since she did not know what was the truth that lay behind this feigned illness. She had not dared to send for the doctor, who would have immediately seen that it was a moral not a physical malady. She ate no supper. Tit Nikonich politely said that he had no appetite either. Then came Raisky, who also wanted no supper, but sat silently at table, pretending not to notice the glances which Tatiana Markovna directed towards him from time to time. When Tit Nikonich had made his bow and departed, Tatiana Markovna prepared to retire. She hardly looked at Raisky when she bade him good-night, because her affections and her self-esteem were both too deeply wounded. A secret and serious misfortune had befallen the family, but she was left on one side like a stranger, as if she were a useless, incapable woman. Raisky said in a low voice that he must speak with her. Bad news? she whispered, shivering and looking fixedly at him before she passed with him into her own room. She dropped into her old chair and pushed the lamp farther away, first covering it with a shade so that the room was dimly lighted. Raisky began his tale as cautiously as possible, but his lips trembled, and now and again his tongue refused its office but he collected all his strength and went on, although towards the end of his story his voice was hardly audible. 
Dawn had come, but throughout the long hours Tatiana Markovna had sat motionless and speechless with bowed head, giving vent now and then to a low moan. Raisky fell on his knees before her and implored her, Go to Vera's help. She has sent too late for grandmother. God will go to her help. Spare her and console her as you know how to do. She no longer has a grandmother, she said, going towards the door. Grandmother, what is the matter with you? cried Raisky, barring her way. You have no longer a grandmother, she said absently. Go, go. As he did not obey, she cried angrily, Don't come here. I will see no one. You must all of you leave me in peace. He would have replied, but she made an impatient gesture with her hand. Go to her, she continued. Help her as far as you can. Grandmother can do nothing. You have no longer a grandmother. She made another gesture with her hand, so imperious this time, that he went without further parley. But he concealed himself in the yard and watched her window. Tatiana Markovna sank back in her chair and closed her eyes, and for a long time she remained there, cold and stiff as if she were a dead woman. Raisky, who had not gone to bed, and Vasilisa and Yakob as well, saw Tatiana Markovna with her head uncovered and her Turkish shawl thrown round her shoulders leave the house in the early morning and go out into the garden. It was as if a bronze figure had descended from its pedestal and had begun to walk. She passed through the flower garden and then through the avenue to the precipice. Then, striding slowly along, with her head held high and without looking round, she went down the face of the cliff and disappeared. Concealing his presence in the trees, Raisky hurried after her, following her as she passed deeper and deeper down the precipice and until she reached the arbor where she paused. Raisky came closer and held his breath as he listened to Tatiana Markovna's heavy sighs and then heard her whisper, My sin! With her hands above her head, she walked hastily on until she came to the bank of the river and stood still. The wind wound her dress round her ankles, disordered her hair, and tugged at her shawl, but she noticed nothing. A terrible idea dawned on Raisky that she intended to drown herself, but his aunt turned back as she had come with slow strides which left deep prints in the damp sand. Raisky breathed more freely, but when, following her track in a parallel direction, he caught sight of her face, he held his breath in horror at the agony he saw written there. She had spoken truly. Their grandmother existed no longer. This was not grandmother, not Tatiana Markovna, the warm-hearted mistress of Malinovka, where the life and prosperity of the whole place depended on her, the wise and happy ruler of her little kingdom. It was as if she were not walking of her own accord, but was driven on by an impulse exterior to herself, 
as unconscious of her movements she climbed the steep hill through the brushwood with her shawl hanging down from her shoulders dragging its corners in the dust her eyes from which stony horror looked forth were unwinking her manner was that of a moonstruck woman Raisky found it difficult to follow her she paused once leaning both hands on a tree my sin she exclaimed again how heavy is the burden if it is not lightened i can bear it no longer she began again to climb quickly up the hill surmounting the difficulties of the steep path with unnatural strength and leaving tags of her dress and her shawl behind her in the bushes overcome with amazement and horror raisky watched this new strange woman he knew that only great souls conquer heavy trouble with strength like hers. They have wings like eagles to soar into the clouds and eagle eyes to gaze into the abyss. This was not his grandmother. She seemed to him to be one of those feminine figures which emerge from the family circle in the supreme moments of life under the heavy blows of fate who bear great misfortunes majestically and are not overwhelmed he saw in her a jewess of the olden days a noble woman of jerusalem who scorns the prophecy that her people will lose their fame and their honor to the romans but when the hour of fate has arrived when the men of jerusalem are watering its walls with their tears and beating their heads against the stones then she takes the ornaments from her hair puts on mourning garments and goes on her pilgrimage wherever the hand of jehovah leads his mind went back to another queen of misfortune to the russian marfa the enemy of the city of moscow who maintained her defiance even in her chains and dying directed the destiny of free novgorod before his imagination there passed a procession of other suffering women russian tsaritsas who at the wish of their husbands had adopted the dress of the nun and had maintained their intellect and their strength of character in the cloister raisky diverted his attention from these unsummoned apparitions and looked attentively at the suffering woman before him tatiana markovna's kingdom was perishing her house was left desolate her dearest treasure her pride her pearl had been taken from her and she wandered lonely among the ruins when she paused in her walk in order to collect her strength she tottered and would have fallen but for an inner whisper which assured her she would yet reach her goal she pulled herself together and wandered on until evening half asleep terrified by her crowding fancies she spent the night on the sofa at dawn she rose and went once more to the precipice with her head resting on the bare boards she sat for a long time on the crumbling threshold of the arbor then she went through the fields and was lost in the thicket on the bank of the river by chance her steps led her to the chapel where new terror seized her at the sight of the picture of the christ 
she fell on her knees like a wounded animal covered her face with her shawl and moaned my sin my sin tatiana markovna's servants had lost their heads in terror vasilisa and Jakob hardly stirred from the church she intended if her mistress recovered to make her pilgrimage on foot to kiev in order to venerate the miracle worker he promised to the patron saint of the village a thick wax candle ornamented with gold the rest of the servants hid themselves and only looked shyly out after their mistress as she wandered distraught through the fields and the woods for two days already tatiana markovna had eaten nothing raisky indeed tried to restrain her from leaving the house again but she waved him imperiously away then with decision he took a jug of water came up to her and took her hand she looked at him as if she did not know who he was then mechanically seized the jug in her trembling hand and drank greedily in big mouthfuls grandmother come home again and do not make both yourself and us wretched he begged you will kill yourself it is god's will i shall not lose my reason for i am upheld by his strength i must endure to the end do you raise me if i fall my sin she murmured and went on her way after she had gone a few steps she turned round and he ran to her if i do not survive she began signing to him to bow his head raisky knelt down and she pressed his head to her breast laid her hands on it and kissed him accept my blessing deliver it to marfinka and to her to my poor vera do you understand to her also grandmother he cried kissing her hand she tore her hand away and set out to wander once more through the thicket by the river bank and in the fields a devout soul obeys its own laws thought raisky as he dried his tears only a saint could suffer like this for the object of her love things were not going any better with vera raisky made haste to tell her of his conversation with their aunt when she sent for him early next morning in her anxiety to have news of tatiana markovna he pointed out of the window and vera saw how tatiana markovna was drifting urged on by the heavy hand of misfortune for a moment she caught sight of her expression and sank horrified on the floor but she pulled herself up again ran from one window to the other and stretched her hands out towards her grandmother then she rushed through the wide empty hall of the old house in a wild desire to follow tatiana markovna but she realized in time that it would have killed her aunt if she approached her just now vera was conscious now how deeply she had wounded another life so close to her own as she saw the tragic figure of her aunt so happy until recently and now bearing the punishment of another's sin raisky brought her tatiana markovna's blessing and vera fell on his neck and wept for a long time 
on the evening of the second day vera was found sitting in a corner of the great hall half dressed raisky and the priest's wife who had just arrived led her almost by force into her room and laid her down on the bed raisky sent for the doctor to whom he tried to explain her indisposition the doctor prescribed a sedative which vera drank without being any calmer for it she often walked in her sleep to ask after her grandmother give me something to drink don't say a word do not let anyone come to see me find out what grandmother is doing it was just the same in the night when she awoke she would whisper grandmother doesn't come grandmother doesn't love me any more she has not forgiven me on the third day tatiana markovna left the house without being observed after two sleepless nights raisky had lain down and had given instructions to wake him if she left the house but Yakov and Vasilisa had gone to early mass, and the other servants had paid no attention. Later on Savelli saw that his mistress, catching hold of the trees as she went, was making her way from the precipice to the fields. Raisky hurried after her and watched her slow return to the house. She stood still, looked round as if she were saying goodbye to the group of houses, groped with her hands and swayed violently. Then he rushed up to her, brought her back to the house with Vasilisa's help, put her in her armchair, and sent for the doctor. Vasilisa fell on her knees before her mistress. "'Little mother, Tatiana Markovna,' she begged, "'come back to us. Make the sign of the cross.' Tatiana Markovna crossed herself, sighed, and signed that she could not speak and wanted something to drink. Vasilisa undressed her, wrapped her in warm sheets, rubbed her hands and feet with spirit, and then gave her some warm wine to drink. The doctor prescribed for her, but said that it was most important of all that she should not be disturbed, but should be allowed to sleep. An incautious word that Tatiana Markovna was ill reached Vera's ears. She pushed past Natalia Ivanovna and wanted to go over to the new house. Raisky had great difficulty in persuading her to abandon her attention as Tatiana Markovna lay in a deep sleep. In the evening Vera was worse, she had fever and was delirious, and during the night she flung herself from one side to another, calling on her grandmother in her sleep and weeping. Raisky wanted to call the old doctor, he waited impatiently till the morning and spent his time in going from Vera to Tatiana Markovna and from Tatiana Markovna back to Vera. As Vera's condition had not improved next morning, Raisky went with Vasilisa into Tatiana Markovna's bedroom, where they found the old lady in the same state as she had been in the whole of the day before. I'm afraid of going near her in case I alarm her, he whispered. Should I awaken the mistress? She must be awakened. Vera Vasilyevna is ill, and I don't know whether I ought to send for the old doctor. The words were hardly out of his mouth when Tatiana Markovna sat up. Is Vera ill? she said in a low voice. Raisky breathed more freely, for his aunt, in her present anxiety, had lost the stony expression of yesterday. She signed to him to leave the room. 
Half an hour later she was walking across the courtyard to the old house, with trouble plainly depicted on her face, but apparently without a trace of weariness. She entered Vera's room cautiously, and when she saw the pale, sleeping face, whispered to Raisky, "'Send for the old doctor!' She now noticed for the first time the priest's wife and her weary eyes. She embraced Natalia Ivanovna and advised her kindly to go and get a whole day's rest. When the doctor arrived, Tatiana Markovna gave him an ingenious explanation of Vera's indisposition. He discovered symptoms of a nervous fever and prescribed medicine, but on the whole he did not think that serious consequences need be expected if the patient could be kept quiet. Vera was half asleep when she took the medicine and towards evening fell fast asleep. Tatiana Markovna sat down at the head of the bed, watching her movements and listening to her breathing. Presently Vera woke up and asked, are you asleep, Natasha? As she received no answer, she closed her eyes, but she could not go to sleep again, and the darkness seemed to her to be a dark and terrible prison. After a time she asked for something to drink. Someone handed her a cup. How is grandmother? asked Vera, opening her eyes only to close them again immediately. Natasha, where are you? Come here. Why are you hiding? She sighed and fell asleep again. Presently she woke again and whispered pitifully, Grandmother doesn't come. Grandmother loves me no longer and has not forgiven me. Grandmother is here. She loves you and has forgiven you. Vera sprang from the bed and rushed up to Tatiana Markovna. Grandmother! She cried, half fainting and hiding her head on her breast. Tatiana Markovna put her to bed again leaned her grey head by Vera's white-suffering face, while the girl, in a low voice, with sighs and tears, made her confession on her breast. Her aunt listened without speaking, and presently wiped away Vera's tears with her handkerchief and kissed her warmly and affectionately. "'Do not waste your caresses on me, grandmother. Only do not leave me. I do not deserve your caresses.' Keep your kisses for my sister. Your sister is no longer in need of my caresses, but I need your love. If you forsake me, Vera, I shall be a desolate old woman. Tatiana Markovna wept. Mother, forgive me, whispered Vera, embracing her with her whole strength. I have not been obedient to you, and God has punished me. She went on, but Tatiana Markovna shut her mouth with a kiss. "'Do not talk like that, Vera,' interrupted her grandmother, who had turned pale with horror and once more wore the aspect of the old woman who had been wandering about in the thicket by the precipice. "'Yes, I thought that my own brain and will were self-sufficing, that I was wiser than you all.' "'You are wiser than I.' and have more learning said tatiana markovna breathing more freely god has given you a clear understanding but you have not my experience vera thought that she had more experience also but she merely said take me away from here there is no vera any longer i want to be your marfinka 
take me away from this old house over there to you the two heads rested side by side on the pillow they lay in a close embrace and fell asleep end of chapter twenty nine